You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm back. I'm Ira Madison III. Thank God. I was I was lonely. I was with strangers. They took advantage of me. I'm Louis Fertel. Hi. <laughs> Ira, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. I was just out getting coffee, and there was uh, music on. And it was a band and a song that I don't believe has ever come up on this show. And I think pop culturally, people are divided about it. But I know what I think. What are your feelings on Kokomo by the Beach Boys? Oh, I think we've talked about the Beach Boys before. Okay, well, great. But I don't think we've discussed <laughs> Kokomo in depth. Um, I don't know how I feel about Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Um, which album is that off of again? Well, it, it, it was written for the movie Cocktail. Um, it mm. didn't. I, I want to say it got an, uh, a Golden Globe nomination, but that was the year of "Let the River Run" by Carly Simon, oh, so it didn't go very far. But uh, you know, I Aruba, like Jamaica. Yeah, you know that song. I well, you, you know, I love cocktail. Oh, I mean, a Tom fine Cruise cinema. classic. I, I, I love Tom Cruise's um, two stars films. You know, like Days of Thunder, <laughs> Cocktail. You know, just, he made okay movies. Also, um, no, before uh, he was crazy. Oh, correct, correct. Well, what, and, and even, I think this is even before like Mimi Rogers. So like, way even before like uh, Born on the Fourth of July, etc. But um, there's also there was a cover of this song I heard recently by um, some outfit artist named Holiday Sidewinder, which is so good. But Kokomo to me, it's kind of like one of those "We Didn't Start the Fire" songs where you put it on and I am simply amped. <laughs> yeah and you know what it's a good song it's a good song i feel like people who are beach boys fans um are specifically just pet sounds fans right they, they want the like prestige era not the margaritaville era yeah yeah they have no interest in like pretending that the beach boys are anything else right right yeah i mean my favorite beach boy song is still um I just wasn't made for these times off pet sounds. But if it, if it takes me like 15 minutes to get to Ralph's, I'm throwing on Kokomo and feeling like I'm in, you know, a bunch of islands that mainly exist. Kokomo doesn't exist. <laughs> I do want to uh, say a brief note about last week's episode. Our Danny Pellegrino interview, a friend mm -hmm. of mine heard us talking about Rosie and, uh, you know, the friendship with Tom Cruise about how, like, they're still in contact, right? Mm -hmm. And my friend said that his boss um worked with um tom cruise once and literally every christmas they got a coconut cake and a card oh as in from tom cruise yes well he does seem like one of these like really like i think if you meet him he's utterly charismatic and like remembers your name and you know he's, he's into manners he's what yeah he's one of those ultra showbiz not, not schmoozy types but just networking types yeah i feel like the ultimate sort of example of that was remember after he did the couch incident with um mm -hmm. oprah 
you remember the the next interview with Oprah was he invited her up to the cabin and it was very yes. much like I need to show you that I'm like your intimate friend again. <laughs> no, but I, what I mainly remember about that, I don't remember the content of the interview. I remember they run into Katie Holmes at the door and she goes, yeah, I'm just about to go into town. The fuck? Oprah's here. <laughs> the, the prearranged, I'm going to meet you here and then just be on my way out was so mm. strangely choreographed. You know, I mean, but maybe it was the invention of Vogue's um 73 questions then you know where yes. vogue shows up at the door and it's oh my god vogue magazine is here i had no idea let me finish doing what i was doing with my day yeah right let me put down this rolling pin i was just making a cake or fucking whatever yeah <laughs> uh it's very um law and order interrogation yes. you know like like when, whenever they go to uh interview anybody they're always like well you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna keep doing what the fuck I was doing while these police officers are interrogating me and then I'm gonna be I'm gonna stop what I'm doing when I find out it's about a murder because right. the cops are always like well you know she was murdered and then they're like oh. I have to stop throwing and these fish into these crates yeah <laughs> and then they're helpful <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do you want yeah uh, all right well this week we've got a return guest on the pod it is gabrielle union coming back to hang out with us again for some reason but last time she was here i like threw my arms up it was a roller coaster she was <laughs> so much fun i uh, love it when a guest comes on and they're like you know what i have a lot of opinions and guess what i feel like sharing them and that is i think <laughs> her her sort of vibe the beauty of this not being a completely filmed podcast is that um whenever there's a guest on that lewis loves he he is truly like excited like a grandma Oh yeah, the hands no, I, are up in the air. <laughs> it's I'm like, one of those it's like, like used car. Price is right. Come on yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm one of those inflatable men outside a car dealership, just flapping away. <laughs> but if you would like to see some of the recorded content from this podcast, you should check out Crooked's new pop culture channel, Uncultured on YouTube, where this week we are asking you to vote on your Oscar predictions before Sunday's big show. And that means that you get to hear our Oscar predictions today, and you will also get to see our Oscar ballots online. So, you know, go and fill out your own. And I just want to say, I have now seen complaints recently about how often we have discussed the Oscars recently, and to those people, I just want to say, we're almost there. Keep on, keep on trucking. <laughs> well, there have been complaints well, uh, people defended my honor. Uh, luckily, mm. they're like, I think Lewis is only programmed to discuss the Oscars. He can't help that this is the only thing he loves. And uh, uh, so thank you to those people. It also happens once a year. So truly, right. once the Oscars are over and we talk about it, we move on. Right. By the way, there's no other pop culture going on right now. I'm sorry. I check all the time. So, <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, check out Crooked's new pop culture channel, Uncultured. And of course, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, and before Gabrielle Union, we're going to do another deep dive into some blind spots we have in her film, Oeuvre. Yes. Uh, yours is... I'm going to say a more justifiable blind spot than mine because I realized I hadn't seen this movie in full. I had only seen the critical climactic scene and that mm -hmm. is love and basketball. So I'm a big sham and I went and saw it finally last night. 
Lewis has been telling lies for years. Yes, right. No, literally I'm a twenty lie. over twenty years, just telling yeah. people you've seen <laughs> Love and Basketball. Uh, and I watched The Honeymooners. No, so which which I'm sorry, no offense to Gabrielle Union, is I, I forgot that existed. I forgot we had that in the world. <laughs> I wonder if she'll remember it existed yeah. when we ask her about it. <laughs> All right, when we're back, we jump into the movies of Gabrielle Union. Stuck with Damon Young is the newest podcast from Crooked and Gimlet. On this show, award-winning author and former Keep It guest, Damon Young explores the uncomfortable, hideous, and hilarious absurdity of being black in America. Lewis, you know what that's like. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I see it around me all the time. He's joined by some of the brightest minds and boldest voices of the black community, including Nicole Hannah-Jones, Samantha Irby. Oh, we love Samantha Irby. Jason Reynolds and more. You're going to love this show. Listen and follow Stuck with Damon Young only on Spotify. Today's guest has been in some of the most quotable and iconic films of recent history, but we have not seen them all. So this week, Gabrielle Union, Blind Spots. First up, Lewis, your people are already typing angry comments about feel, you not having seen Love and Basketball. I feel bad for me. I was I was dumb not to have seen it before. In fact, the movie was reduced in in my head to a joke I always make about Justin Timberlake that it's his favorite movie. You know, can't you just picture be like, hey Justin Timberlake, what's your favorite movie? Oh, you know, it's Love and Basketball. You know. Uh, <laughs> with this like proto with Michael the, Jackson the, accent that he sometimes has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I brought this uh, up before. He used to do interviews about having met Michael Jackson where he'd be like, yeah, and that's when I met Michael Jackson. I'm like, what is this voice? <laughs> Michael? <laughs> was Michael that before, Jackson? Was that before or after he started talking like a gib in every interview? Right. No, I mean, there's eras. I mean, people, you know, give Madonna shit for the accents all the time. But Justin Timberlake, I mean, let's start tracking that. <laughs> Duolingo, et cetera. Um, anyway, um, uh, love and basketball. I'll start with criticisms. It is 20 minutes too long. I don't really mm. know why it's that long. Like, I can't tell you, like, what scene needs to be cut out. It's sort of like every scene is a minute and a half too long. But otherwise, let's just first of all say, you know who slays in this movie? Alfre Woodard. Not that you would ever watch an Alfre Woodard in a movie and think, well, she was bad. But uh, in this movie, she kind of has a role that I think would be even read as boring on the page. Like, oh, she's sort of a traditional mom and wife who's sort of on the fence about her daughter's ambitions. Man, she is very powerful. She really puts the heat on Sanaa Lathan, too. Uh, you, you, can, you can see her sort of transforming Sanaa's acting just by her sheer force, and uh, that's exciting to see. I also want to say that this movie has one of the few high school dance scenes where it definitely looks like a movie, but you also, it's believable and you want to be there. And the music is popping. Uh mm. They're playing a lot of like uh, I I believe Bobby Brown comes up. Do uh, we just got paid? That song comes out. Why yeah, is that should I be mean, playing it every speaking dance? Of just, speaking of Justin Timberlake before yeah, right. In Sync um, covered that song to hell. Right. <laughs> yeah. Who gave them the right? That's really unusual. <laughs> uh, I would say that one thing Alfred Wooder is actually very good at is um, playing a mom. You know, and I think it's maybe just because. Um, 
she infuses it with you know more believability than sort of like a regular person with just sort of like a boring mom role on the paper but you know like it you really get a lot from her in a role like that you know it's like gritty i I don't know i think people would not make a a perform a a character like that like kind of like um uh, kind of bubbling under anger like i I think she really channels Mm -hmm. that in a way that you wouldn't necessarily put into the role She's really sort of channeling too, like the time period. Like it's set in early '80s yeah. in Los Angeles, you know. So, um, in the beginning, at least, you know. So, like it's a mom who um, moves their kids um, in the early '80s to LA, and then, like, as time progresses, you know, like being a black mother in that time period, you know, you're going to be um, going through something a bit different than the rest of your um, contemporaries, um, right, you know, across America. Um, they- it reminds you of sort of her. Um, role in Crooklyn. Of course, of course. Um, also, the romance in this movie between Omar Epps and Sanaa Lathan, they really set up the intensity of it by making them dance with different partners at this high school dance. And the partners are Boris Kojo and Gabrielle Union, and they hate it. So it's like, wow, they must really be in love if they're really <laughs> dancing with these people. <laughs> Boris Kojo, it's like, I'm, I'm like clinging to my the face. Hottest, I can't pe- believe the somebody looks like cinema. this. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, by, and Boris Kojo, they're, they're not like, overtly playing horrid people either so it, it's not like they're you know utterly disgusting from the jump either so uh, that was a clever move on the filmmakers part i miss when boris kojo was like the hottest person that black people would break up ever uh, mm-hmm. mostly it's because it's uh i'm like slightly sick today so i was thinking about the sort of um you know like sick at home starter pack um, yep. you know, the people always make memes about online, the uh, starter pack for when you're sick and what you're doing at home when you're missing school. It would always be The Price is Right. Of course. It would always be The Young and the Restless starring Boris Kojo. Oh, Looking yes. fine as hell on it. And then it would be like, so there's always this debate between um the people on Instagram, black people on Instagram, whether or not it's 7-Up or Ginger Ale, which mm. is the... um soda your mom would give you so that you could feel better and listen i know a lot of us drank ginger ale as kids same but i'm not gonna have people um erase the fact that sometimes your mom would give you seven up i never drank ginger ale growing up i always had seven up when i was sick Um, yeah in fact that was probably the last time i had seven up come to think of it right Um, someone called it that the seven up was like the white starter pack and i'm like you know what well maybe sometimes mom was like i'm gonna get the seven up okay i'm gonna feel classy today I have the feeling they cost the same amount. Like, why wouldn't you just have 7-Up? Um, no, oh, yeah, 7-Up and saltines. Oh, also, crackers are yes. still, like, among my favorite foods. So, anyway. Yes, um, saltines. Uh, and, well, that's because you don't like foods in general. That's true. You don't like right. flavors. I'm on the fence about them. Why do we need them? Yeah. Uh, and always a Campbell's soup. Didn't I never ate soup growing up? Too many flavors. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not even chicken noodle? No. God. Oh, and I, I hate, like... Limp noodles? No, it's got it's got to be like a solid noodle. Ugh. Okay, no flaccid noodles. No, right, right. <laughs> my new single, my new rap single, no flaccid noodles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I also want to say about Boris Kojo. For a split second, we did the right thing and gave him that show Undercovers, where he was like a oh. James Bond type, and it was with him and it's Google and Botha Raw, right? Yes, and yes, uh, they invented the phrase sexpionage. It was yes. in every promo. Sexpionage. A JJ a- a yes. Abrams joint too. I feel like that would have been that would have ran for. Um, 12 seasons on USA. 
Yeah, or 25 seasons on Stars with five yeah. spinoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Showtime, it's still be on. Yeah, <laughs> right. But it would only uh, be every five years. Yeah. Yeah. But it was on NBC and it should got canceled. And let me tell you something. I'm sure the I'm not going to look it up right now, but I'm sure the ratings for Undercovers, which was canceled after like two episodes, are higher than um, a season of Mad Men combined. Right, right, right. Or whatever's on network now, you know, like the truth yeah. about Pam or whatever. Yeah. Uh, By the so way, Renee, what, you, what a crazy choice for you, Renee Zellweger. Anyway, moving on. Um, also, can I can I say can I can I say that can I say that maybe this is bad of me, but like before I knew that she was in the Truth About Pam, uh, people were like Renee Zellweger looks unrecognizable, and then they were showing photos of her from it, and I was like, you know what? That is her right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe she was like, I was like, maybe for days that was finally like, fuck Hollywood, and I'm just moving to the Midwest, and I'm just um, eating fast food and drinking sodas. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's the truth about Pam, right there. Uh, also, uh, the soundtrack in general. I had underestimated that the climactic scene in which Omar Epson, Sonali, and play. Uh, uh, basketball in this sort of contentious moment that plays. I'll play on the, you. Yeah, for um, my that, heart. That plays on their off and on again relationship uh, is set to Michelle and Degeo Cello's song "Fool of Me," which is from I think her album "Bitter" from '99 or so. I brought her up before. Uh, how she's just this rad bassist who has a number of amazing albums uh she had a single that was remixed called pocketbook uh, around 2002 that is so good you guys should listen to that um what a perfect song for this and not it, it's it's literal literally like how can you make a fool of me as he beats her at basketball like it's a little one for one parallels but so good and 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 the tone is so right so uh congrats on that choice everybody knows love and basketball is a great rom-com but what we don't know is that there was an existence of a movie version of The Honeymooners, and it starred Cedric the Entertainer and Gabrielle Union. Let me tell you something about this film. Uh, it is very um, 2005 studio comedy. Sure. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking broad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is very this is the broad. Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers is like the Yale of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Cedric the Entertainer um, plays Ralph Cramden, and um, Gabrielle Union plays Alice. Uh, and, you know, the Ed Norton and Trixie, um, their neighbors are played by Mike Epps and Regina Hall. So I mean, like, first of all, this is a great fucking comedic cast. Right. And I just want to say both of these movies, of course, also have Regina Hall. So she, this is yeah. secretly a Regina Hall episode also. <laughs> um, the, like you couldn't, you couldn't lose with this cast. You know, I just wish it were a better film. You know? That because, makes sense. Uh, you know, it, it just really doesn't give um, any of the four an opportunity to do what they do best. But it is extremely watchable. And... And you would probably not be shocked to learn that Roger Ebert gave it three stars. <laughs> Roger Ebert was a very sympathetic film critic. That's what I will say about him. Um, I will say but, 2005, once it got to like later in Ebert's life, he became a film reviewer. Who He's sort of like end of his review basically says, um, this is the kind of movie where you go in like expecting to be horribly disappointed and you leave um, pleasantly surprised. I think let's just like later in his film career, he was like, if I absolutely am dreading seeing this film and then I go in and I enjoy any of it, I'm going to give it three stars. 
No, right. I'm sure, like, literally, if if the milk duds he bought tasted good, he's like, all right, it's three stars. Um, uh, no, but that's kind of a crazy TV show to reinvent so far later because the dynamic is so, one, broad, as you said, but two, like, Ralph Cramden is I'm gonna call, has, yes, has a violent streak. That's sort of the comedic <laughs> thrust of the, of the show. Um, if you guys haven't seen the original Honeymooners, what you should know about it is the Flintstones was basically copied beat per beat from the Honeymooners, as in Jackie Gleason considered suing because Fred Flintstone is so uh, Ralph Cramden and Wilma is so Alice. Uh, and Mel Blanc, who voiced Barney Rubble, was told to copy Art Carney's voice for Ed Norton and he refused to do it. So literally it was like a facsimile. Mm-hmm. And what's so weird is that um this sh- the Honeymooners was only 39 episodes in one season. There are a few shows like that that you think of as stone cold classics and in fact don't have many episodes at all. I think The Munsters is another one of those. Um uh, plenty of like two season shows that just happen to rerun for an eternity. Yeah, but um you know, it's 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 also it's also from the era of when there were like what two shows on TV. So um, if you were if you were well remembered and you had that much of a catalog of episodes, like you would be aired in syndication for perpetuity. Right. By the way, I just want to say about Gabrielle Union. So she did that remake. She's in Cheaper by the Dozen coming up, mm-hmm. which is also a remake of uh, an old film, but uh, has obviously turned into other movies over the years. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, but she just was in something from that like same era too, you we, know, because the some, original oh. Cheaper by the Dozen is from the fifties. Um, but no one thinks about that; they always think about the two thousand three version starring Hilary Duff and um, Superman Tom Welling. Right? Yes, right, right, right. Oh, and also she was in that Facts of Life uh, TV episode recently too. So it's so, Gabrielle Union is becoming our go-to like uh, uh, nostalgia maven or something i wonder how she feels about that we can ask her using our interview skills (laughs) uh what i will say about the dynamic in this is they do you know sort of get into the fact that they argue all the time but they argue all the time and then when it's time to go to work you know they leave with like a kiss like you know they they squabble but they still love each other so you know it doesn't quite reach the honeymooners level of you know is he gonna kill her at the end of this episode uh and he never says the phrase to the moon alice you know when it's like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna punch you in the face uh like the movie opens up with where they meet and he's very sweetly says oh he's he's a bus driver and like he's gonna um take her just uh, she's like you're gonna take me all the way to brooklyn Uh, and he says i take you to the moon alice oh and i thought that was sweet Oh, wow. We, we love that pitch in the room. Okay, that's a <laughs> nice work, everybody. By the way, the Flintstones, iconic television. And I oh, have sure. a question. I, like, constantly try and ask, um, uh, you know, like, older Gen Z people or very younger millennials that we meet, um, whether or not they have any idea who the Flintstones or the Jetsons are. Are they confused? Well, sometimes they are, and sometimes they like they know them, but they don't know them know them in the way that the Flintstones and the Jetsons were shows that were constantly on when we were kids. There's absolutely no way you could grow up and not see the Flintstones and the Jetsons if you are now 35 years old. Absolutely right. not. But now TV is very much um, you have to go searching for it. 
you know? Right. And so no, th- and I, I have no idea why you would even see it anymore. It is sort of a shame. I mean, I feel that way about old Looney Tunes and stuff, which was never my thing, but I have, of course, seen 100,000 Bugs Bunny cartoons. Um, it's no, please. I was wearing a shirt yesterday that had Barbara Feldon from Get Smart on it, which used to be like, everybody has seen Get Smart. Now you would, I, I think if you interviewed 100 people on the street, one person will have seen Get Smart. Um, 17 of them might have seen Get Smart starring Anne Hathaway, The Rock, and Steve Carell. That was cute. I did enjoy that. <laughs> I actually not did a, think that was a quite a good movie. <laughs> not a top 10 role for Anne, but we liked Anne. Yeah. Um, I would just say that that's one of the biggest divides in pop culture right now. Just the fact that we used to be at home, like I said, when you're sick or right after school and things would just be on. And so yeah, right. we have so much pop culture knowledge because we it was just in front of us. And to to watch to be a kid who watches the Flintstones or Jetsons now, you would basically have to be the child of someone our age who's like, oh, I'm going to put TV on for my kids to watch. I'm going to put on like Boomerang because I loved watching Scooby-Doo, the Flintstones and the Jetsons and stuff when I was a kid and I want them to watch it. Okay, well, we're depending on those people because we're slowly being. Speaking of Mad Men, we're we're being we're being washed away with an older generation, and we don't know how to keep up. <laughs> By the way, um, we got the statistic for Mad Men versus Undercovers, and eight point five million people watched the premiere of Undercovers, and three point three million watched the very popular finale of Mad Men. That is effing crazy. And I will cap this conversation by saying it is unbelievable that Vincent Carthizer was never nominated for an Emmy for Mad Men because Pete Campbell has to be the most memorable douchebag in the history of television. <laughs> All right. When we're back, we're going to talk to the nostalgia maven herself, Gabrielle Union. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life.
Our return guest today is an actress, producer, author, and activist. She is now the star and EP of the new and improved Cheaper by the Dozen, out now on Disney+. Plus. But most importantly, as I said, this makes her a two-time Keep It guest. Please welcome back, Gabrielle Union. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. This is uh, this is like the, the, my last day of press for Cheaper by the Dozen. <laughs> okay, let's talk about being at the end of a press cycle. I mean, do you completely exhaust every single experience you've ever had with the people you made the movie with? I have no original stories left at this point. At this point, I'm <laughs> making shit up and hope that no one me in these lies or calls me out. <laughs> it's fine. You'll start turning into like a Robert Pattinson or Lady Gaga. Like, you know what? I was actually eating children on the set of yeah, Cheaper right. by the Dozen. <laughs> Listen, by my next interview later on tonight with my husband on his, on his show, I'm going to just flat out say I'm, I'm a fucking cannibal. And <laughs> there were actually 12 kids. And then I ate a couple, you know, on lunch. Break. Yeah, you're like delirious. Like there's and you're nervous. You don't want to misspeak. You don't want to say anything crazy, but you're like sleep deprived. You know, it's just, it's just, it just feels like you're walking through landmines. Like at any moment, you're going to say the wrong thing. It's going to happen. Well, we were just going through uh, moments in your filmography in which we had blind spots. (laughs) And we realized that recently you were on the Facts of Life uh, live reboot on ABC. And you're also in this reboot of Cheaper by the Dozen. What is it like to be? And we also talked about the honeymooners, which were in years yes. ago. That was my blind spot. Oh. I had yeah. never seen the honeymooners. I, you missed so much because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my mother saw that one either. So, Ira, you are in great company. <laughs> <laughs> but what's it like to remake something that is like age old and you know beloved and? Uh, to put your stamp on it. Is that fun or daunting or what? Um, it's always a little interesting because you never really know how people are going to react because these are, you know, beloved, beloved, you know, projects. So you're like, oh, am I going to improve upon a brilliant piece that probably didn't need to be touched? Or am I? I don't know. We'll find out. So like with The Honeymooners, we did the black remake of The Honeymooners set in Brooklyn, but we shot it in Ireland. And you know where there aren't black people (laughs) what doesn't look like Brooklyn? Uh, Dublin, Ireland. Um, They they kept insisting that we were a singing group. They'd be like, are you a singing group? And like me, it was like me, (laughs) Regina Hall, Cedric the Entertainer, Mike Epps, John Leguizamo. And clearly they thought Eric Stoltz was like our manager, I'm imagining. (laughs) But we were asked all the time, like, if you're singing group, and then we would just start singing songs from the five heartbeats, like when they were asked to sing and forced to pull off on the side of the road. Yeah, that was us. Um, so yeah, so in that case, it was, you know, and then it wasn't like a like a hit hit. It was, I did fine, but people were like, why? And I was like, I don't know, the chat cleared. And I was like, <laughs> Absolutely. And, the, and we also, I also pointed out that Roger Ebert gave it three stars. He had a good time. Oh, uh, yes. Well, and you're, are you talking about the honeymooners or are you talking about Cheaper by the Dozen? Oh, we were talking about the honeymooners. Oh, well, yeah, like that many stars. Well, yeah. We did it. Well, I mean, we had a great time filming it. Yeah. Um, especially had a great time when we would go to Amsterdam on the weekends. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to Amsterdam with Mike Epps. I have an apartment in Amsterdam now. As one does. That was very <laughs> Like, you were just like, yeah, you know, in my. Um, 
<laughs> I'm not going to Amsterdam. Um, well, oh, shit. Okay. That's like, is it the New Hamptons? What did I, where am I, am I missing this shit? I think it's becoming like sort of like the new like Berlin, London for some people. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Okay. I was just going to get high. So it's good to know that <laughs> it's now like the Palm Springs of Europe. This, this is good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting thing, too, about shooting a movie in Ireland, because I feel like I'm always I mean, it shouldn't shock me because, you know, the film industry always wants to find ways to shoot things cheaper where they don't have to pay the taxes that they'd have to, you know, in America. Um, but I like never get I it never ceases to amaze me when someone's like, oh, yeah, the new Texas chain massacre. Like we shot that in Prague because we can't shoot it in Texas. <laughs> yeah. See, what they don't <laughs> tell you is like they just like you sign up for a project, especially back then you know, I had zero control and they're like, oh yeah, we're shooting the, you know, the black remake of the honeymooners set in Brooklyn in Dublin, Ireland. And I'm like, oh, okay. That should be fun. Not thinking, oh, well, where are we going to get extras from? Cause you know, Ireland is like (laughs) homogeneous countries ever. Um, So like they, then they're like, oh shit, where we're saving money in taxes. We have to literally ship in extras from London to, you know, for crowd seats. Um, you know, and then it doesn't look like Brooklyn. So we'd have to, we then had to shoot an additional three weeks in Brooklyn. But what they don't tell us as actors is your personal taxes. You are being taxed in the highest Mm. tax bracket in a country that you are not familiar with, nor, you know, so you're not really seeing your tax dollars at work and you're getting hit with like insane taxes. Like here is what 33% Mm. there. It's like closer to 40 and up. So you basically, I just, mm. I basically shot that for free for, um, <laughs> to be, you know, mistaken for, I'm not sure who, um, I'm like, can I be Samantha Mumba? <laughs> I, I was going to, I was going to bring up Samantha Mumba. I was like, could she have been involved in this in some way? I guess not. Yeah. I saw her in a hotel lobby with her boyfriend at the time, Cisco. And that was a highlight of our trip. Mm. And then I saw Coolio at a bar. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's like, you know, it started really in like Dublin and now it's in Amsterdam, but perhaps, you know, it was. That was the hot spot then. That was the hot spot then. Yeah. (laughs) Insane. But yes, now we we, we have taken on cheaper by the dozen um, and we've added again, like the honeymooners, more black people. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's the first weekend, but since it's not like in the, you know, in the theaters, it's hard to say. You just have to sort of wait to see the numbers, the streaming numbers, the analytics. So, uh, you know. Correct yeah, me if well, I'm wrong. This is this is the most children you've ever worked with on a project, right? Like, I'm, I don't usually associate you with working with kids at all in movies. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I could have very quickly <laughs> slid into the mom mode. And, you know, I don't want to say luckily, but uh, yeah, that just hasn't been my my career trajectory at this point. So, yeah, this is the most animals and small children i have ever worked with um and unless there is a sequel i i'm not gonna say i that i will be clamoring to you know uh do this again quickly i live in it <laughs> like right. i'm home to it i don't you know it's i'm i going from chaos to chaos was a challenge for sure mm-hmm. um what's so interesting too about um 
this movie is that like I watched it and I literally was taken right back to, you know, watching every Disney Channel original movie mm -hmm. that I used to watch, you know? And so like, I thought it was really sweet. Um, and I would say that, um, it's funny when, you know, when you do these remakes and then you come in with like preconceived notions and I will say that, you know what, by the end of the movie, you had me convinced that you were in love with Zach Braff. <laughs> so you did that. <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it, it's weird because like you get cuts, especially during the pandemic. It's normally like you're kind of watching it with test audiences or at least other, you know, people in the studio. But during the pandemic, you're getting these cuts and you're watching it at home. I'm looking at my makeup. I'm looking for continuity. I'm not really looking at it for how did this all, how does this, how does this land? It's hard to, to tell. I shot it. I know where the jokes are. So it's not like I'm going to be surprised I was there. Um, so it wasn't until the premiere that I got to see it, you know, in the way that it should be seen with an audience. And they are howling. Like my husband is not an easy chuckler. You know what I mean? He doesn't find everything funny. He was dying. He was laughing out loud, like uproariously, disrupting, you know, the next joke. I'm like, there's three more jokes. Motherfucker. Um, yeah, so like, <laughs> to, to entertain him as well as, you know, Zaya, as well as Cobb, who's only three. I was like, we might be on to something. I think this is going to do pretty well. This audience reaction is way more than I could have ever imagined. So, yeah, we're proud of it. We're proud of it. I feel I feel like you would also be a tough chuckle. What like actually makes you laugh to watch in a movie? Uh, I mean, my fav one of my favorite all-time comedies is Talladega Nights. Ooh, interesting mm. answer. Um, but like 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 anything Eddie Murphy obviously. Um, like life is like it's life and boomerang are probably like my all-time favorite Eddie Murphy movies, comedies. Um but like back in the day, it was like the incredible shrinking woman I found to be like one of the most hilarious movies. Um, mm -hmm. You know, any Steve Martin movie like The Jerk, um, like, you know, Blazing Saddles. Like, like I laugh at like the obvious shit, but also like Dave, like I cringe mm. Dave. Um, Abbott Elementary and Grand Crew have me dying. Um, yeah, like it's a weird range of mix of things insecure obviously um i want to say our friend uh joel kim booster posted about abbott elementary and how man it is so hard one to be like a, a new voice and uh prime time and then to get something on the air one and then two it's fucking really good so she really what an astonishing accomplishment for her yeah no uh, quinta she's been like I kind of did one of those, like you see somebody that you like are obsessed with, but you only really know them through social media. And I saw her at a, a, a restaurant in, in LA and I was like, hi, I, not to be that person, but I'm just a huge fan. And, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And then from there we started, you know, she followed me back and uh, we started DMing. And so when her book came out, she asked if I would blurb for her book. And I felt like, you know, in the way that, if Barack Obama asked for a blurb for his book or Michelle Obama, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so flummoxed. Um, I'm just like a, like a nutty fan. I've literally seen every skit, everything she's ever written, done. Um, and it seemed like you knew it was coming and it's just like, will everyone else get it? They're fucking getting it. It's, and it, it's, it's the best show on, you know, on TV and for it to be on network TV and to not, you know, have the luxury of cussing or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You have to work with kids. Like that's a tall order. 
You know what I mean? To appeal to so many people and be culturally relevant. That's damn near. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that. I mean, it must, yes, then be a show that you can watch with your kids, you know, Um, because it's been forever since I found a show that I'm watching and I'm like, it is, it's giving me wholesome, but I love every minute of it. And then there's moments of it that aren't, which, you know, jokes that we get as adults. Yeah, that's like ideal. But Cobb goes to sleep at 6.30. So it's not like she's watching The Gilded Age with me. Um, <laughs> like, there's certain things that me and Dee, like, commit to watching together. Like, we can't watch mm-hmm. Insecure, you know, without each other or Scandal back in the day. Um, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But I'm on my own with The Gilded Age and um, All Rise. And, like, certain things, he's like, oh, like whatever. <laughs> Okay, I do have a question because you mentioned the premiere and you brought up Cobb. Has anyone asked you about when Black Twitter noticed that Cobb threw up the Black Power Fist at the Cheaper by the Dozen premiere? The the, the fact that it was, well, I saw it later, but like the fact that I didn't realize, because by the time she hit the carpet, I was doing, um, you know, press, like press media, whatever. Um, so I didn't know that she was her and her little, her BFF Crosby um, that was in her Janie and Jack clothing campaign. Um, you know, that she's, she's representing, but meanwhile, <laughs> I'm talking to variety and I'm, you know, being very clear about my thoughts about all the anti LGBTQIA bills. Um, and little do I know my little three-year-old is on the carpet. Like I'm, I, I'm holding it down, mom. Like this is how we do. <laughs> the family. Uh, but yeah, I I had no idea she. I'm like looking through the pictures that my girlfriend sent. I was like, look at little Angela Davis, right? I was so proud. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that you know, sort of, um, it's just natural for your family to sort of um, digest what's going on in the news and then have your reaction to it and speak vocally about it, um, just because of you know, um the makeup of your diverse family or um, is that something that you're like, you specifically want to sit down with the kids and be like, you know, this is what's going on. This is how we feel about it. Um, Well, we have to talk to them about everything just for their personal safety. Right. And Mm -hmm. they understand what they're up against uh, in an age appropriate way. But at this point, like Mm -hmm. Zaya, she reads the things herself, you know, she's, Mm-hmm. she's very much a student of history she understands that shit is cyclical and she's seeing the patterns you know of, of what happened previously in centuries centuries ago since the dawn of time what happens when you platform hate and oppression and where we're going so she is as just a student of history alone aware of, of where this is going and then she keeps you know she stays up to date and then we're talking about it constantly um, we ask her how do you want us to show up and in what kind of way? And how do you think we can be more impactful? And we talk about it. And sometimes she reads us for filth. And sometimes she's like, well, maybe you should look at this study or look at this article. And I'm like, yes, uh, can you send me the link? Uh, she's, just, <laughs> she's she's brilliant. I mean, the child wants to go to MIT. So that's what we're dealing mm. with with Zaya. But like with Cobb, you know, she's three. But already it's like, you have to be super conscious. Like I always thought I was I would raise a little mini me. And yes, you see her with the fist, but you also see her in a full Elsa gown at soccer practice um, and, and wanting long blonde hair and with Rapunzel. And I'm like, oh, God, I've already lost. Oh, my goodness. You know, and, and being frustrated with her. <laughs> um, 
And so you have to, you have to do it. And, and if we have this platform and we are in a position to tell the truth, at some point, you gotta say, I think I have enough money or things or power that I can be honest. I don't know what that line in the sand is or how many billions some motherfuckers need to just tell the truth. Um, tell the truth, shame the devil. I don't know what that barometer is for everybody, but we hit that number a long time ago. Like I was 19 when I sued my first company, when I realized that pay less shoe source, I had I positively identified the man who raped me after the first robbery and sent us a notice about a $10 pair of canvas shoes, but couldn't send us a, a notice that could, you know, save my life. Mm-hmm. So at 19, I just, I made a decision about who I was going to be in this world and what I would stand for and not stand for. Obviously it's, it was at the darkest, lowest moment of my life, most terrifying moment of my life. But then moving forward, I just wasn't as afraid of taking on bad, that bad faith actors, bad, bad people. I, I just, I just am, I'm not afraid. Like, I almost died. Like, can I get any lower? Death is lower, but the only thing standing between me and death is losing my soul because I'm a, I'm afraid of losing my position or things or access or whatever. What is the point of living if that's if I got to live on my knees <laughs> and not in a good way? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, how much is enough? You, you know, you have people who are untouchable in Hollywood, and they have no problem speaking about the environment or animals and showed more concern when the, when the gorilla in Cincinnati was, you know, murdered, but are silent about their neighbors and their family members. And it's, it's, I don't understand it because they can't do anything to you. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, was very clear about my thoughts about Disney funding hate and oppression on a Disney carpet. I don't know if they might murder my, off my character, you know, on uh, a cheaper by the dozen. It's like the sequel, Zoe has died in a tragic accident. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the reality is I don't know. I will never know how my name is spoken of in rooms, you know, due to me telling the truth. Right. I have no idea. Luckily there's enough other companies that are willing to hire me knowing that, I tell the truth and I don't, uh, I will not be held back by fear of what, you know, take my career away. I'm black in Hollywood. What does that even mean? You know what I mean? And luckily I have a husband who's done, you know, okay for myself. I'm only falling so far. So if I can't do it, like Jesus. So I do, Mm -hmm. you know, I try to, I try to cover as many people and things as I can in a given day or week or what have you. I try to put my money where my mouth is, but I don't do it performatively. Like if they were to do a poll, like who has the way, who have the Wades given money to people would be like, really? What? When? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't do a press release about it. I just handled it. I saw something on social media. I DM this grassroots corporation. I was like, could you guys get some extra funds? Could you use a Ford truck? Could you use like whatever? If I have it, you have it. Um, and that's just kind of how I've had to, move through life as an adult since I was raped at 19 and sued the company that was responsible for that. And now they're bankrupt. Sorry, Payless. 
but perhaps <laughs> we, we should are. have gotten right with the Lord. Um, the karma was a little delayed, but karma's right is always right on time. You know what? God doesn't like ugly or patent leather pumps, apparently. There it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> Commandment number 11. Yes. Uh, now, also, Gabrielle, you have a quality where, I mean, uh, you've been described as an activist. You obviously are. But there's also a quality about you. And it makes me think of Jane Fonda specifically. I know there are other celebrities, but she's who's coming to mind where it's like there is no reticence about learning. It feels like you are on every corner of the web just like either meeting people or gaining information somehow some way not afraid to get it what are your kind of favorite methods to just i was going to say stay informed but just to know shit in general are there ways that you like gathering information that are really empowering to you um a number i I don't rely on one news source uh i think you learn well so a hard head makes for a soft behind i learned quickly that you cannot just trust one news source or one you know twitter follower like so if, if i see something I'm going to hit like a number of international news sources um, to see if there's a through line here. Uh, I'm going to check in with trusted media journalists who who don't have publicists. Like just, you know, I, I want to know, you know, real facts. I don't want colored facts, if you will. But that's the only way I can have at least some confidence that what I'm, I'm reading or hearing is is accurate. Uh, but it, it just, just takes a little bit more time to do your due diligence, which I don't mind. And then certain journalists will lead me to other journalists who lead me to other journalists, to, you know, who cover different, different things that I'm passionate about or, or maybe want to learn more about. Uh, but just being open to new voices, you know, from different parts of the world. And yeah, just kind of doing the work, which sounds so cliche, but it, it really is just you more clicks, mm-hmm. more follows. You know what I mean? Like, like perhaps I'm not going to be like, oh, somebody said the Queen of England is dead. And I'm just going to retweet that on just the strength of one website. <laughs> I'm going to go to like, you know, BBC, Al Jazeera. Like, uh, no. and it turns out a faulty intel on this one. You know, but I'm, <laughs> you know, so it's like when I turn on, when I look at Twitter in the morning and I see the trending topics and I see somebody who's a little older, somebody that I know, I immediately think death. Um, but sometimes it's like Janet has been trending randomly for like the last five days, but it's just like appreciation. But I wake up in a cold sweat. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what, are they done? what have they done to Janet? Okay. Oh. <laughs> I need her SNL performance of Throb to make the rounds again. When people see that, I feel like she gains a whole new generation of followers. That, to me, is the the main Janet touchstone for me. And Samuel L.'s favorite song of hers from the documentary. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God, did he win with that comment. Yes. Dude, did you guys watch all the document, like, all the parts? Yeah. Oh, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was must-see in our household. Yeah. Uh, no, we talked about it out here where like one of the wildest just parts was seeing the invention of the song scream, like in the bedroom. Oh <laughs> my God. Well, it was, it's wild. Cause it's like, there's me, the, the fan of Janet. And then there's me mm-hmm. who had dinner with her a couple months ago, but it's like, they're the same, but also like, it's hard for me to suspend the woman and mom that I know, you know, that were talking toddler stuff. And then I'm watching, like, I don't know who she is. It's weird. There's, like, a disconnect where I'm like, oh, wait, that's my fucking friend, yo. Ah! 
<laughs> like I still like you know if I go to the concert like we went to see her and it was like me and and uh, Queen Latifah and a crew of our friends we're both scre- we both know her mind you screaming like we've <laughs> never met her and this is the first time we're seeing her perform live she just has that effect you know what I mean Absolutely. I mean, the best part of the show is always, I said this when she did it each time, would she pause after a certain moment and she'd go, a lot of hits, huh? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah! <laughs> Somebody hit! Somebody hit! Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you for being here again, Gabrielle. Thank you you know, it is... I know. Yeah, I feel like it was, it was so... Uh, I feel like you were one of the celebrities who was sort of... Um, stayed in our minds during the pandemic because you were like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put on a fashion show every day on instagram which we loved and now it's great to see you back you know in the cinema again because you know we've always sort of admired uh i just sort of like your quality and presence on screen you know and um i think we all deserve to see more of that you are like one of the actresses when you ask black people who's your favorite actress like they'll bring you up you know, so we want to see you more. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're going to see a lot more of me after this one. Then I'm back to my regular fare, you know, kissing. Boy. Okay. Uh, so in at some point this year, uh, I have a movie that we we just finished reshoots on called The Perfect Fine with Keith Powers and Gina Torres and Lala Anthony and Aisha Hines. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I know I'm missing a friend in there. Uh, uh, Stilo Brim, um, Jungle Pussy. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an insane cast directed by Numa Perrier. That'll come out on Netflix. Um, older woman, younger man, uh, and mm. there's this movie that I did with uh, directed by Ele- directed and written by Elegance Bratton, starring Jeremy Pope, me, mm. Bo Keem Woodbine, uh, and that's called The Inspection. It's basically like a Moonlight meets Officer and a Gentleman, and I play. Okay, uh, wow. I think I, right. I think this role will be very surprising. So, okay, good. Yeah, the kids were nice, but we we miss Gabrielle Ewing and doing romance and picking up a gun on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Naked and unafraid. I'll be back. <laughs> my, my natural habitat. But thank uh, you guys right. so much. Well, yeah. Thank you for being here. And uh, have a great um, table read. Yes. Thank yes. you. Thank you. And that's yes. an, another new project that'll be out soon. All right. All right. <laughs> Bye, you guys. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, so we've talked a bunch about the Oscars already, but we have yet to offer our actual predictions for the show my prediction is this show is going to be a fucking mess (laughs) what leads you to say that (laughs) (laughs) every thing that comes out about the oscars every day i'm like do i want to watch this fucking show i know i will but it's it's wild that the oscars is in a point where it's trying to lure in new viewers and every decision that they make to lure in new viewers is turning off regular viewers Right. Uh, you know, as a friend of mine just said, it feels a little bit like the Democratic Party. They are obsessed with reeling in people who are fundamentally uninterested in what they do, while at the same time making their own fans scream. Oscar yeah. moderates is who they're yes. trying to get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's like if the 
casting directors of Friends were adding all the guest stars that they used to have on every episode of Friends, but also were like, you know who we're actually going to get rid of? Like, um, Rachel and Joey and Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. People no. are here for the guest stars, not the actual people that you tune into every fucking week. Right. Right. No, it's again, I think I brought it up before. It's it's as if the producers of Jeopardy were like, well, if we want everybody to watch, the questions have to be multiple choice. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> we like this now. It's good now. It's good now. Um, anyway, so I would just want to say about Oscar predictions. I am not good at them. It's mm. not really a skill set I uh, pride myself on having. Uh, obviously, there are always surprises the night of, but the things I'm, I, I end up predicting well are the things everybody predicts. So just this, this is going to be humiliating to me, and I'm, I, I look forward to that, but just be aware. Mm-hmm. I tend to sort of be good. I've won a few Oscar ballots in my day. I think last year when we watched the Oscars together, um, I think I had like maybe lost by like one point because I, mm. I tend to always there's you'll you'll see it on here uh there's always at least one or two categories where like i can't pick who i think is gonna win and i have to support who i'm rooting for yeah oh i see you you're you're too full of heart is your problem yeah um but best picture oh we'll start Uh, right there great yeah well let me say something i feel like there is a contingent of voters that still actually is gunning for drive my car, which in many artistic ways is leaps and bounds of head, ahead of everything in this category. I know that's a long shot and it, people are basically saying it's down to Coda and the power of the dog. Ultimately, I'm going to pick the power of the dog because I think people agree it's very accomplished for Jane Campion. Everybody in the cast is great. The movie looks great. For an epic slow movie, it is very watchable. And so I think people want to congratulate themselves for having watched it and enjoyed it and understood it. Um, And also, Coda is worse than it. Coda almost was great. I love the decision-making the main character, played by Amelia Jones, has to make. But ultimately, it settled for something too easy. So I feel Mm. like it ended up fine when it could have been fabulous. Mm -hmm. Also, you know what? Like, didn't have enough dialogue in it. Okay, that's true. All right. Who's the screenwriter? Are you, are you, you're, you're, you're a coda, child of dumbass adults. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm a dumbass all on my own, Lewis. You don't have to okay. involve my parents. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to go with um, Power of the Dog, too. I think it's going to win. Uh, would I prefer something else win? Sure. I honestly would love a West Side Story one. I thought it was a great uh, movie. You know what? I would have no problem with West Side Story winning. I think it is a super muted conversation about the quality of the, that movie where we've had. Um, I, I like all all of the performances in it have something. The look is great. I thought the pacing was great, especially mm. in a movie of overlong, especially in a year of overlong movies. So I, I'm, I, it's unfortunate that we haven't had more discussions about West Side Story. I think it's mostly just because in the conversation, you know, with directors, um, Steven Spielberg has like, He's been around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, it's like, what are we going to do? Celebrate Spielberg again? Yeah. 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 But he did it. I agree. So, it's, it's a wonderful film. Uh, best director, I think. Well, you know, like, 
Miss Campion's going to get it again. Um, if only so sh- she can um, find a new black person to insult at the <laughs> awards. <laughs> oh, I guess you and I didn't get to talk about that. We had Kyle Buchanan on last week. Uh, I mean, again, I'm going to call it a failed joke like she was going for it. The Williams sisters literally don't play against men when they play tennis. And I am literally in a category against other men. But that parallel alone is a stupid one to make. And then uh, the comment, the more you think about it, like the worse it gets, the more insulting it gets, the more ridiculous it gets. That So I guess there's some suspense, like will voters retract their appreciation of Jane Campion? But ultimately, I think they want her to win it so and you know i've always hated that bitch and then it's coming <laughs> around for was coming yeah. around on her for the power of the dog but she did do that piano movie which yeah, gave right. holly hunter her oscar over angela bassett so jane campion has been on my list for a minute yes right almost 30 years in fact so yes can, this is a 30 yeah. year grudge okay i am coming out of jane campion's head in the shower that's what kind of grudge <laughs> this is <laughs> And also she beat uh, Stockard Channing in Six Degrees of Separation, which is one of the great um, stuffy upper crust performances of all time. Mm. You know what? I would. It's 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 weird because it's such an interesting category. I don't know if I would give Spielberg the award. Um, I thought it obviously we fucking love West Side Story. And I, we said that we would be fine if it won Best Picture. I think that what I really love about it is him trying his hand in a musical and it's and it's amazing but yeah, i think right. that i think that he could get a best director for doing a musical later like this is mm-hmm. his first musical let's do it again all right yeah play it again uh it's also weird that this is like one of pt anderson's best films and uh, licorice also Pizza very has completely well directed. dropped out of the yeah. combo right well other than people are upset necessarily with what is deemed a racist scene the uh Mm. john michael higgins character who has the wife and he talks in an exaggerated japanese accent and then he can't understand what she's saying it's going for a broad laugh and coming up with basic racism yeah i mean it's about what you'd expect from the director of boogie nights Mm. (laughs) i mean this man gave us phantom thread i mean i I love paul thomas anderson i I I mean he's the reason people care about amy mann now yeah yeah i mean i love that man but he is still a straight white man right so right can't expect too much from him (laughs) all right best actress i mean which is Uh, still i mean if we've discussed one category to death on this podcast it's this one but i'm sorry this is one of the most interesting matchups ever in oscar history so allow me to fixate I finally saw The Eyes of Tammy Faye uh-huh, on a think? plane. I fucking loved it. I thought she's, she did I slay. This, she I did thought, slay. I thought she fucking served. And now I'm like, wait a second. Do I want her to win? I get her winning the SAG Award now. She's so fucking good at it. And she's like, it's interesting because there's there's, you know, sometimes this is kind of the opposite of being the ricardos right because you could put a side-by-side people yes. have put the side-by-side of chastain with tammy faye and like it is eerie how much they are the same person and how you much know? she doesn't look like jessica chastain yes. yes um and nicole kidman on the other hand is sort of you know a um it's an interpretation of lisa ricardo which i think sure. works i love nicole kidman in this film i actually like Everyone in this uh, category, except I am putting still as my choice, 
Penelope Cruz. This one is my going with my heart one because yeah. you know I'm I'll motivar hive till I die. But sure. I still think this is Penelope's best performance. I I think it's certainly in her top five. I mean, who can forget? Volver, who can yeah. forget Captain Corelli's mandolin? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Duh, of course. I, here's the thing: every time I look at the names in this category, I am immediately flooded with three or four reasons it could still be them. Like mm-hmm. that's what, like, like I'm sure you probably thought Kristen Stewart was your favorite before, you know? And I was yeah. like, oh, is she fifth? Like, who knows? I saw but, Spencer and like hopped in my car and blasted that song from the end of Spencer as I drove around L.A. Right. So you lived Spencer. Great. Yes. Um, yes. And then I went to KFC. And then the paparazzi it, killed me in a tunnel. This is my ghost. That's, <laughs> by the way, we went to uh, our friend had a Spencer themed birthday party where he got KFC. This is not SponCon. Guys, it was the most delicious meal I had all month. Okay, moving on. Um, uh, I think I'm going to go with God, people. I'm ultimate. I can't believe I'm saying this. I am going to go with Jessica Chastain to win. I think she will win. Mm-hmm. But I would vote for Penelope Cruz. Mm. I would pick Jessica Chastain if it was for the three five five, which is in danger of becoming my new salt. The three five seven, yeah, right. It is in danger of becoming my new salt. I love the three five five. I've already rewatched it twice. Are we sure it wasn't just a good movie trailer, um, and then there was no film at all? I don't know. Then what did I watch three times? I would love to know. I would love to know. Okay, best actor. <laughs> This Hmm. is another interesting category, and also, I think this is a controversial choice. I'm going with Andrew Garfield, because I think when you see all five of the choices, you're like, who fucking, who slapped on film? And I think Andrew Garfield, like, you you couldn't have cast it better. He made that character almost likable, and he is such an extreme narcissist. But like powering through those songs, love the way he sings them, love the emotion of those songs. Everybody else in this category, legends. I wouldn't say any of these are their definitive performance. I would agree with that. These are all amazing actors. Uh, I love each of them. And it's also neither of their best performances. I would say I'm going with Will Smith because I feel like it's his time. He -hmm. has delivered Oscar-worthy performances before and hasn't gotten his Oscar. And I love when the Oscars just, you know, give give someone an Oscar when it's their time. You know, like when Denzel got it for Training Day. Right, right, right. And also, Will Smith put out a really weird and revealing memoir, and that should be rewarded. Um, Absolutely. It it shocked me. It shocked me. Um, Honestly, speaking of Tammy Faye, I mean, I thought Andrew Garfield was maybe even better in that film. Yeah. and He's so weird in that movie. Right. Like, slimy in the right way, like, enigmatic, in, in, in a way that it justifies how naive Tammy Faye characters is that sort of a problem I have with that movie it really pretends she had no idea what was going on she was a saint she loved LGBT people she's just you know a laundry list of wonderful qualities mm-hmm. and meanwhile he's the only dark force in that couple it feels a little unlikely but he was anyway, deliciously he was, he was deliciously evil over that scene where like he finds out about the affair and then goes to bed and it's like in the morning it's like I forgive you but you're gonna have to talk about it on air, right? Yes, great scene. Great. What moment. a great scene! What a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Will Smith. Now, best supporting actress. Well, we have two keep it uh, veterans here: Anjanou Ellis and Ariana Debose. And I think 
it is between those two. I uh, do too. I think it's going to be Ariana just because she's won every uh, precursor. She's also, of course, very memorable in the movie. Wonderful gown. Um, yeah. So. And honestly, she'll give a great speech. Yes. Yes. Also, you know, queer woman. So you got to support that. That's true. Uh, That's true. I don't know that Jesse Buckley did that much in The Lost Daughter for this Unfortunately, unfortunately, I just don't like that part of the movie. I didn't need flashbacks. I just wish Olivia Coleman's character was given no context other than she's sort of done with being a mom. How about that? You know? Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen Belfast. So. Oh, I mean, I, Judy's great. It's an extremely small part. It's very surprising she got in over Katrina, who has a, a sizable performance with, you know, a real crying jag in it. But mm. Judy Dench in this movie, there is a moment when. The, the family wants to go see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You know, the movie about the flying car. I and, love Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And she hears about it and she her reaction of her of disgust is so funny. Like Judy Dench, <laughs> hilarious. Mm, are you saying okay. she's a bed knobs and broomsticks fan in the movie? Uh, potentially, yes. They don't explore <laughs> that subtext. Best uh, supporting actor. I am going to go w- to win with Troy Kotzer from CODA, though I would vote Cody Smith McPhee. Mm, mm. You know, I would vote. Um, I would vote J.K. Simmons just because I um, want him to know that um, anytime he wants okay. to go on a date, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> he he routinely dates male podcasters who ask to go on dates. This is going to work out for you. J.K. Simmons is so hot. No, but Maybe it, I it just want shocking. to hear. Maybe I just want to hear him screaming um, at me in bed. Where are those pictures of Spider Man? <laughs> also he is a shocking choice to play william frawley from i love lucy it is it's like casting arnold schwarzenegger to play fred, fred flintstone or something it's like, i would like to see it okay okay I bet you would. <laughs> wait costume uh, design i'm going cruella i'm gonna name a couple more and then you can see the rest of our picks online best original screenplay i would vote personally for worst person in the world though i think the winner is going to be oh my god is it don't look up i think that might be it because everybody saw that movie Somebody say that. <laughs> I would adapted say screenplay. That maybe, I'm going to go power the dog, and that'll be another Jane Campion win. I would say Paul might get in on um, Licorice Pizza. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's a one of a kind movie. I can't compare it to anything, and I think I think voters in that category remember that. So and adapted screenplay. I think it'll probably be Drive My Car. God, that would be so fucking rad. That that movie goes to crazy it drives to crazy places look at me i'm like Gene <laughs> yeah. i sort of hate these moments where you have like a drive my car like a parasite like this wasn't his biggest parasite um but um you know where it's like here's a foreign film and we're gonna stick it in the middle of these other films and you know it's like it, it feels weird like am i gonna root for this one versus this one i don't know i mean Maybe you've I'm got a xenophobic because i love driving <laughs> my car i'm just like you know, I I just I feel like I wish it were more the norm where there are other foreign films like in the race. Like I think that um, Parallel Mothers should be in there. You know, I just feel like every year the Oscars always throws like sort of one in there, and then it's just sort of like, all right, well, what are we doing here? It, it right, like if if they were in good faith voting for the best screenplay all the time, it feels like four of these would be foreign. For example, you know, yeah. Um, but but uh, I don't know if I've ever said this before. We're not ready to have that conversation. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Last one to wrap up on before everyone else can see our results online. Um, best original song. One, oh. do you think Beyonce will perform 
And two, do you think that she will win? I think that if Beyonce is performing, then Be Alive is winning because the only way they're going to lure Beyonce out of her home <laughs> to the Oscars is if they show her the ballots. You know, Pr- Price Waterhouse is like, we're breaking all of our traditions. Here it is. You can see your name on the envelope. <laughs> Please come. <laughs> well, the rumor is she's performing on a tennis court in Compton uh, for this, which would be amazing. I mean, I think she's performing. She's not going to disservice the Williams sisters. She's going to show up and perform. Come That's on. That's fair. Um, I am going to say the winner is... It feels weird to vote for No Time to Die. I feel like that's what you want to say. I'm going to vote for the Dos Oraguitas from Encanto because of the residual, we need to talk about Bruno um, omnipresence. Well, I'm beehive, so I can't not vote for Beyonce in any category. Mm. Okay. So that's my answer. Going with your heart again. All right. All right. All right. I'm going with my contractual obligations. (laughs) <laughs> so you can see the rest of our recommendations on Instagram with the official Keep It Oscar ballots and when we are back Keep It and we're back with our favorite segment of the episode it's Keep It Lewis yes what are you saying keep it to this week? As I drum my fingers, because we get to be mean now. Um, <laughs> my keep it is to, I, I want to say nice try to start, but it is a keep it to Doja Cat's cover of Celebrity Skin, which mm. I now am hearing on the radio all the time. I believe she recorded it as part of a Super Bowl commercial, a Taco mm-hmm. Bell ad or something. Here's the problem. Iconic. If you're going to cover, if you, if you're going to cover a song, you need to add something. Uh, it is literally just a copy of Courtney Love's original vocal. This is a whole song from the late 90s. I'm sure you're all familiar. Oh, make me over. You know that song. Um, uh, co-written by Billy Corgan. And you can kind of hear it. It sounds a little Smashing pumpkins in the melody. But yeah, hearing the song that- <laughs> oh, he- <laughs> Among people who have taken a hard fall from that era, Billy Corgan maybe has fallen the farthest i mean thankfully i mean i i cherish so many people from that time if it were liz fair i would be inconsolable but liz fair rules so there you have it anyway no every time this song comes on the radio i want to love it i want to you know pump my fist and enjoy that kind of rock rancor that has so been missing from popular music over the past 15 years or so but it just sounds like a copy it sounds like karaoke revolution or something and uh, I, I've really become a fan of what Doja Cat brings. Like she has that music video from last year where she is an alien. And by the way, not like a a totally hot alien either. Like she's going for funny. And I appreciate that energy. We need some Katy Perry-like irreverence in pop music still. And I think she's bringing that. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, it just makes me want to listen to the original uh, Celebrity Skin, which I think is I think is Courtney Love's best vocal. You really hear one, how influenced she is by Stevie Nicks. And then two, just the wrath and the sarcasm and the rowdiness of the song is second to none. And yeah, I think it's Hole's best single. I know it's not off um, Live Through This, which is considered their best album, but Celebrity Skin, you throw it on, it's just, you, you have to be in a convertible or something. There's so much gale force of uh, angst coming at you. I mean, you don't think it's somebody's daughter? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? I actually think that much like uh, I think Return to Saturn is um, no doubt best album, even though most Mm -hmm. people think it's um, Tragic Kingdom. I would say that Celebrity Scan is, I think, their best, you know, like um, 
Celebrity Skin's a perfect song, but I just think that like Malibu is a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Oh, so. yeah, definitely. And also, uh, in this regard, the album Beautiful Garbage, which is Garbage's pop album yes. uh, that, that we are both obsessed with, is inspired by a lyric in Celebrity Skin. Beautiful garbage, beautiful, you know. So yeah. it's directly responsible for an album we are obsessed with also. Also, listen to Petals by Halls, okay? Underrated song. Do you just say Holes? Sorry. <laughs> Lewis Sacker Hive jumped out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. My keep it this week. I have, first of all, I have two keep it's. Because okay. I missed last week. One is a short one. The doom wall culture has to stop. Keep oh, it sure. to taking photos of celebrities eating at restaurants. It's gross. I mean, again, this is this feels like an alt-right take or something. People treat celebrities horribly. It's it, it's largely, I, I think it would largely discolor your human experience to be a celebrity. That's my feeling. Uh, stop it mostly because there was a photo of Tom Holland and Zendaya. And in the photo, there's like um, this man who's trying to eat, who's staring at the camera in horror. And it's like every time you take a photo of one of these celebrities, you also just get a photo of a random person who's trying to go about their day. <laughs> right. I'm just, I think I'm just sort of sick of recording people in general without them knowing. Yeah, it's disgusting. And the, but yet people get mad about police states. I mean like we dis- we discuss things like revenge porn all the time, like you know, posting that kind of stuff without people's consent and like that's gross enough, but actually just like lifting footage on the regular from people and like you possess it and you put it out in the world and you're branding it, that's also gross. All right, my actual keep it this week is This is a little different than what you might expect me to be saying about the Supreme Court confirmation hearings. But, um, you know, this week, um, Kentaji Brown Jackson is being, you know, um, going through hearings to be confirmed uh, to be on the Supreme Court so she can be the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court, um, which everyone is constantly repeating in its 233-year history, a black woman has never been confirmed to the Supreme Court in America. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. 233 like- years. I'm like, okay, well, so for like 100 of those years, they were slaves. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other like few, like women couldn't even vote. So how are they going to be judges on the Supreme Court? And then if it were in recent history, I think we'd know about it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, they haven't unearthed uh, a wild trivia bit or anything. Yeah. I just, I just want to find the one person who was shocked that there was no, you know, like Harriet Tubman never served on the Supreme Court. <laughs> Isn't that what oh she my did? God, that's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you think Harriet Tubman was walking around making Supreme Court decisions <laughs> instead when of Abraham taking slaves was- <laughs> to freedom. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln's assassinated Harriet Beecher Stowe saying, I won't stand for it, banging her gavel. Yes. Like Diane Carroll was on the Supreme Court. <laughs> the Supremes were actually on the Supreme, the Supreme. Court. That's why they That's were what, named that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but aside from that um aside from that moment of like trivia that's being presented as oh my god you've never heard about this trivia that is actually just sort of basic um the other thing that i want to get into which sort of involves the jane campion thing right Mm -hmm. um everyone is sort of tweeting like oh my god look at her having to sit there and listening to these idiot republicans and for the most part i agree like no human being should have to listen to um lindsey graham 
speak, let alone look at him or be in the same room at him. And also uttering the word racism several times, like he's familiar with the concept. But anyway, I I also just want to point out that um, I love that his um, reason for being mad and sassing off uh, was he had another black woman that he wanted to be confirmed to the court. And she is in his pit. Too bad. I'm very, okay. I'm very mad. My pick wasn't picked by Biden. Um, but I want to say that other tweets and other comments are about, you know, like, I can't believe she's going to have to, like, sit on the court, you know, with these people, etc. You know, mm-hmm. um, here's one thing I'm going to offer to the world. You don't actually know what's going on in people's heads. So we should stop projecting. This mm-hmm. happened with Jane Campion and sort of Venus and Serena. There were photos that came out after where people were like, um, a look at them dancing with Jane Campion. It's like, look at all the work that these black women have to do, you know, to just to exist and survive. You know, they have to, you know, like put aside all their angry feelings about this moment and march forward. I'm like, one, that could be true. But also what could also be true is that... um they sort of liked dancing with Jane Campion. Maybe she seems like a rad person to them. Um, they were laughing during the speech. Anjanou Ellis was laughing during the speech. I just want to posit that a moment that, yes, historically and in context, when you look at it, is a really shitty thing to say. In the moment, it probably just didn't even register to Serena and Venus. Because Venus has also said before, you know, like, people come for her all the time you know they just can't find her you know like if you know you're the baddest bitch if you have gotten yourself up to the level that venus and serena are um on the court a joke like that isn't even going to register for you because you're like what and so my key it is really to people projecting things onto other people because a lot of people are saying this about um kintaji brown jackson you know like Uh, imagine until she has to like you know sit there with clarence thomas or whatever i can guarantee there's going to be a moment where someone is upset when she gives an interview or something where she's like oh you know like we actually really get along she's clerked for the she's clerked for the court before you know people were shocked when like ruth bader ginsburg would say that you know about scalia it's just that these like if you are a woman who has worked as a judge and gone all this way to um get on the fucking supreme court and you clerked for um justice briar before you know it's like you are probably gonna be fine like key king with them from time and time you know it's i'm not saying that clarence thomas is her bff you know but i'm saying that the way that we want to project things onto people in politics is usually not how they feel and also People, potentially a little tedious. You know, it is. it's just like it, it's it's really simplifying what their experience is. There's mm-hmm. like a very popular meme going around right now of like all of her qualifications she's had leading mm-hmm. up to being on the Supreme Court and how she she's really gone through even more stages than all the other justices. So, I mean, to that speaking to that, this woman has seen it all. Like, so Mm -hmm. it's not like she's going to be sitting next to these people on this bench and simply flabbergasted by what is going on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no there's going to be no level of shock or whatever that we're sort of conferring upon her. Yeah. My main point is just like, don't be disappointed by people that you want to project yourselves onto. I think mostly about how everyone is shocked whenever Michelle Obama is like talking about how much she loves that war criminal George Bush 
or like she's holding his hand um, during a ceremony, you know? Like, right. she's in a different <laughs> world than you are, okay? Her husband was the president. Right. Like, no, I, and again, it's like, what's the correct... Right. What's the correct answer? It's like, well, when I see George W. Bush, I make sure to punch him, you know, right. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what, what, what the fuck do you think she had to do? Right. It, it's sort of an easy tack to take. Like, of, of course, of course, Michelle Obama dislikes much of what happened during his administration. Unfortunately, he's also a person and also a person in her orbit. So, right. I mean, I, I feel like it's just a whole thing about projection that happens on the Internet. You know, yeah. um, mm -hmm. it's 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 a thing that a lot of people do to other people and expect that people who are celebrities or even people who aren't celebrities, just people who like you see are writers or doing something in life um, aren't doing the exact thing that you believe you would do in that situation, even though you've never actually been in that situation and you don't know what you would do. Correct. Yeah, right. If, I, I, think, I think that's a really good point. Like people feel like, oh, I would have this visceral reaction and I would act on those feelings. It's like, no, you police your own behavior a lot of the time, actually. And you uh -huh. don't act on what you think is your most moral instinct always. A lot of y'all don't even speak up when you're disrespected at work. Okay. A lot of you don't mm -hmm. even speak up back in school or when you're on like public transportation and you see someone being harassed or um you know sort of abused by another person so what makes you think that you are going to be in the white house disrespecting george bush to his face come on right right mm. anyway that's my keep it i would say a, a qualified keep it uh and and, and, a, and a bit controversial too i can't wait to get into the comments <laughs> i came off this bitch mad as hell <laughs> <laughs> that tweet comes up all the time. It's not, I, I don't even want to quote the whole tweet. It's like there's a tweet about Christina Aguilera's vocal on it's so moves mean. like Jagger. Yes. But the, at the end of it, supportively, they say she came on this track. What is it? She, she came on this bitch hell. mad as hell. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, it's it's like an okay case. Okay <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where this person got this idea. Anyway, look up the tweet. <laughs> All right, that's been Keep It. Thank you to Gabrielle Union for joining us this week. And I am I am not gone next week. Uh, Lewis and I have a fantastic interview with Judith Light, a little icon. Oh, my God. She's human caffeine. You can't not talk to her and not, like, be catapulted into the ceiling. She's like a trampoline endorphins. By the way, a little note. Um, Aida, who was gone working on a project, um, is not with us next week or in the Judith Light interview because she is currently working on a project with Judith Light. Which is so upsetting. <laughs> Sending me it's like humiliating like... to us. Yeah. We're just talking to Judith Light about her important work. And I She's on is... set with Judith right. Light. She's like giving Judith Light a piggyback ride. She's like running around with Judith Light. Yeah. Judith Light and Cheryl Lee Ralph, by the way. I have to actually put down my headphones and walk away. It's not. It's not right. I should hang out with Cheryl Lee Ralph. So my actual keep it this my actual keep it this week is to Aida Osman, and I've been waiting for a minute to get to it. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll see you next week. This has been Keep It. Bye bye. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Reston. And our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. But I, Louis Fertel, do a good job too. Our audio engineers are Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin. And the show is mixed and edited by Charlotte Landis. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.